Good morning. I'm Allie, and I'm one of the ministers here at Calvary. We are so happy that you've joined us today for worship. Some of you know that Harrison and I were in North Carolina visiting my parents, and it's always special to come back and worship in this space with family and friends after being away for a while. If you're new or a guest at Calvary, we want you to know that you're welcome in this place and that we're glad that you're here. We'd love to have a chance to follow up with you, and the best way for that to happen is if you fill out this visitor card that's in the pews. If you'll just fill that out and place that in the offering plate later, we'll be sure and get in touch with you. Today we're concluding our series of road trip lessons. Unexpected things happen on road trips. I'm sure many of you know this. Um, detours, roadblocks, and even adventures. My mom has always loved the movie Serendipity. It's starring John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale, and it tells the story of two people meeting by chance at Christmas in New York City. Ever since this film was released in 2001, my mom has continued using the word serendipity, but as an adjective, so serendipitous. You see, I don't love the unexpected personally, even when it's something fun. If I have a plan, I want to stick to it. I don't like for things to change. But over the years, my mom has taught me to embrace the unexpected and hurl myself into the adventure. My flight from Charlotte to Dallas on Friday was delayed for eight hours. I was in the airport for 10 hours. I, it became a celebration because I ran into a family from Virginia I had known over a decade ago. I get, got to meet their baby girl, Ava. Serendipitous. Calvary's youth group saw a Krispy Kreme store on the side of the road in New Orleans and decided to stop because the hot sign was on. Serendipitous. Karen Mode and I ran into each other at Ranchito, right down the street, about three months ago. Started talking about construction work, and a few weeks later, Karen agreed to chaperone the youth mission trip this summer. Serendipitous. Where will you encounter the unexpected? Will you look at it with negativity and shove away things you may not understand? Or will you embrace the unexpected and enjoy, live, and celebrate well? In this moment, let's join together in worship, praising God for the unexpected adventures we have endured and giving thanks for the adventures that are yet to come. Him. Alleluia, alleluia. 
that aren't so strong. Ye clouds that sail in heaven alone. Oh, praise him, hallelujah. The rising born in praise rejoice. He lights of evening find a voice. Oh, praise him, oh, Father, we recognize that the roads we travel are not all the same. Some days, like the Israelites, we can faithfully place our feet atop unshifting ground and walk in confidence of a clear future, a defined career path, an indissoluble relationship. Other days, seemingly more days than not, we feel like the Egyptians, where uncertainty swirls around us and doubts suddenly crash upon us in waves. We feel like we are drowning in responsibilities that we will fear will bear no fruit sunken by devastating news and realities that send us spinning in a rip current. Those days, many times we try to swim ourselves. But we praise you that, however the path appears, you are always in the midst of it. Whether we are walking through a desert or crossing a sea, we never journey alone, even when we fear we do. Grant us the faith and joyful heart to run the race set out before us, to journey out on that divine road trip, with all its detours and potholes and glorious scenic routes. And as we are taking these roads, God, give us the ability to slow down and look around so we may see who is journeying with us and praise you for that car packed with a community of your people. In your precious and holy name, amen.
of wonders beyond our galaxy. from the book of Exodus. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them and all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into a panic. 
He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon the chariots and the chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the water forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. The word of God. Thanks. Once more, when I think I'm gone. 
Could I have all the boys and girls join me at the front for the children's message? All right, there we go. I know a lot of our friends are at passport camp this morning, but now we have a few. All right, so to start with this morning, I need your help. My nephew is turning two in a, in a month, and since you guys are a little bit closer to his age than, my, than I am, I thought, right, you're closer? I mean, how old are you guys? Nine, seven, you don't know. Oh, okay. Is that closer to two than 31? Yeah, okay, okay, so, so, um, my nephew likes dinosaurs and Elmo, so how can I best help him celebrate his birthday? Yes? Okay, so an Elmo thing that talked to you when you, it, you touched its stomach, I'm trying to remember what that might have been called. Tickle, tickle Me Elmo, was that kind of a big deal a few years ago? Okay, yeah. Any other ideas? Yeah? A dinosaur party? Oh, with Elmo heads. I like it. I like it, yes? Pay someone to put on an Elmo costume or a dinosaur costume. See, that's kind of along the lines of what I'm thinking, but I'm not really into paying people to do things I could do myself. So, <laughs> question, should I dress up like Elmo or a dinosaur? Like the most? Votes. Dinosaur, Elmo. Dinosaur, <laughs> Elmo. Okay, y'all aren't good at voting. <laughs> so, Birthdays are one thing that we celebrate. What are some other things that we celebrate? Christmas, very good. What else? Jesus' birth, yeah. Resurrection, yeah. And death, yeah, all those things. What else? Easter, yeah. What, are, what else? You don't have to just give church answers. What? Thanksgiving, yeah. The church's birthday, okay, what else? Halloween, there we go, Halloween, Valentine's Day. What about, yeah? President's Day. What about when you score a soccer goal? Anybody celebrate that? No, okay. <laughs> Baseball, home runs, do you celebrate that? Do you get excited? Do you jump up and down? Kind of, when you pass a test? when someone else passes a test, when someone graduates from college or high school, passes a star test. Yeah, we celebrate a lot of different things. So our story today that we're talking about at church involves a celebration. Does anybody remember what that is? Yeah? Yeah, so you weren't supposed to remember, because then that was going to be like why I told you the Bible story. So, well, good job, but I'm still going to have to tell you the Bible story, okay? Okay, so I'm going to read the story real quick, even though you know the answers, because like probably some of the adults don't, okay? So, like you know, 
already because you're brilliant children. Uh, Pharaoh told the Israelites that they could go. And so the Hebrews quickly left. But when Pharaoh saw that there was no one to build his pyramids, he hardened his hearts once again, and he sent his army to chase the Hebrews down and bring them back into slavery. The Hebrews fled from Egypt and at last arrived at the edge of the sea. They looked behind them and saw Pharaoh's horses and chariots racing toward them. They were trapped. God help us, they cried. Moses said, don't be afraid. God is with us. God told Moses to hold his staff over the sea. God blew back the water with a mighty wind, leaving a dry patch through the sea. The Hebrews crossed over on dry land, the waters forming a wall on their left and on their right. The Egyptian chariots followed, but their wheels got stuck in the mud. The Hebrews watched in awe as the waters returned and swallowed up Pharaoh's army. At last, they were really free. Moses led the people in a song of joy. Then his sister, Miriam, shook a tambourine, and the women sang and danced to thank God for saving them. So in our story, after they got to the other side, they sang and danced to celebrate how God had helped them. So I thought we would make up a song and dance right now. But I'm not very good at that. So what I thought instead is I would give you guys a card and you could go back to your seats and what you could do is you could write on the card and decorate it and you could write down some ways that God had helped you and you could make a celebration card. And I would, so you could write like on one side, a way that God had helped you, something that you love about God, a time when that you're thankful for, and then you could decorate the other side. And then you could put it on your uh, table at home to remind you about one way that you can celebrate something that God's done. And I have some stickers here that you can take a few to decorate, okay? All right, but before we do that, I'm gonna say a prayer, okay? Dear God, we're thankful for all the ways that you help us, and we celebrate how much you love us. Amen. All right, so everyone can take a card. Awake, arise, the journey's begun. We travel on together as one. We know. Awake, arise, the journey's begun. 
So what was life like for Randall and me when we were in our early 30s? Who were we and what were we doing? I was teaching at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, my dream job. In those days in Baptist life, teaching in a seminary was more or less the pinnacle of teaching options, and I'd started my career in higher education there. I worked part-time in a church nearby. We loved the people, and they were nurturing us through the pain of my brother's death a few years earlier and the ongoing pain we were experiencing as we struggled to make sense of our status as an infertile couple, and by that time, the failed adoptions that we had been through. But mostly, life was good. We had a house that we loved in Liberty, Missouri, one of the most picturesque small towns imaginable, and I taught English at the high school there, my dream job. It was a job with fine students and superb colleagues. We imagined ourselves in, this job, in these jobs in this city until retirement, until Randall came home one April day and shared with me that his tenure had been questioned by the Board of Trustees and that he would be considered again at the fall meeting. Until that time, the Baptist takeover was happening in other places and other agencies. However, on that April day, it moved to our street, to where we lived. Quickly, we moved from relative calm to chaos. And soon we realized that although I did eventually receive tenure in October, my close friend's tenure was denied. We knew that our future there was not stable, and we put things in place to make a move. Meanwhile, we adopted Hannah the following February, and we interviewed at Oklahoma Baptist University just six weeks later. The path that had seemed so straight and beautiful became a detour full of unexpected turns. I had to leave the job I loved, the house I had dreamed of living in, and the church that had prayed Hannah into our lives. Also, after working part-time, I came to realize that my identity had been largely associated with my full-time job. Randall took a cut in pay, lost the perceived esteem of being a seminary professor, we moved into an older home that needed tons of work, and we moved to a small Oklahoma town that was no match for the thriving city we had come to love. However, we would be remiss to not to acknowledge that what seemed to be the detour to nowhere became for us the start of many good things to come. For instance, for the first time in my career, I got to conduct a choir, a men's choir, and that experience set in place what has now been 23 years of working with a men's choir. The move allowed me to teach part-time at the university and the privilege of staying home three days each week with Hannah. This was the beginning of what years later led me to my current dream job of teaching at MCC. The detour allowed me to meet wonderful colleagues and to gain broader experiences as a teacher and a scholar, and that eventually led me to Baylor. The detour gave me the confidence and courage to begin a PhD program at the University of Oklahoma. And the detour gave us the opportunity to renovate not one, but two older homes and eventually have a home that we loved again. We could go on and on about this detour and many others. In fact, we believe our lives have been more defined by detours and alternative routes than by clearly cut paths. We close by singing a song that we often sang together during those particular detour years, back in a day when we both were much younger and frequently sang together in public. 
All things work for our good, though sometimes we can see how they could. Struggles that break our hearts in two sometimes blind us to the truth. Our Father knows what's best for us. His ways are not our own. So when your pathway grows dim and you just can't see him, remember he's still on the throne. God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. He sees the master plan. He holds the future in his hand. So don't live as those who have no hope. All our hope is found in him. We walk in present knowledge, but he sees the first and the last, and like a tapestry weaving you and me to someday be just like him. God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. For when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan when you can't trace his hand trust his heart when you can't trace his hand trust his heart trust going to do something a bit different this morning. The next hymn we're actually not going to sing, but we're going to read. 
And what we're going to do is we are going to have this side of the congregation read the first stanza, everybody read the refrain, this side read the second, everybody read the refrain, and we'll continue until we get to the end. Let's stand and read now. Okay, group one. In the midst of new dimensions, in the face of changing ways, who will lead the pilgrim peoples wandering in their separate ways altogether? God of rainbow, fiery pillar, lead us where the eagles soar. We, your people, ours the journey, now and ever, now and ever, now and evermore. And now this group. Through the flood of starving people, warring factions and despair, who will lift the olive branches? Who will flight the fame of care? God of rainbow, fiery pillar, leading where the eagles soar, we, your people, ours the journey, now and ever, now and ever, now and evermore. As we stand a world divided by our own self-seeking schemes, grant that we, your global village, might envision wilder dreams. God of rainbow, fiery pillar, leading where the eagles soar, we, your people, ours the journey, now and ever, now and ever, now and evermore. We are man and we are woman, all persuasions, old and young, each a gift in your creation, each a love song to be sung. God of rainbow, fiery pillar, leading where the eagles soar, we, your people, ours the journey, now and ever, now and ever, now and evermore, all together. Should the threats of dire predictions cause us to withdraw in pain, may your blazing Phoenix spirit resurrect the church again. God of rainbow, fiery pillar, leading where the eagles soar, we, your people, ours the journey, now and ever, now and ever, now and evermore. Amen. Well, Allie began us this morning talking about serendipitous moments, and for me, Randall and Brenda's song was a serendipitous moment. Um, many of you know I, I grew up with a bone disorder, and, and I break my bones really easily, and so there were many long nights in the hospital, and that was the song that my mom would sing to me over and over again. Um, so that was a really special moment for me. Thank you all. Let's pray. And now, gracious God... May the words of my mouth 
May the meditations of all of our hearts together in this room be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as I begin this morning, I need to give a spoiler alert. I posted a question on my Facebook page this weekend, and I asked people to share with me some of the biggest plot twists in television, movies, and literature that they just never saw coming. What I never saw coming was 85 responses to that question. Miles Wernz, who you may know as a former Calvary member who moved away a few years ago, said that this may be the biggest list of spoilers he has ever seen. And so, if I begin to say something this morning that you may not want to hear, because it could be a massive spoiler for a television show or movie or book that you haven't seen or read yet, you have my full permission to cover your ears. And I don't know many preachers who would begin a sermon by saying that, so you're welcome. That is my gift. Tom Purdy, I see you. You're ready. That is my gift to you today. So one of the top responses to my question and one of the best plot twists that I have ever seen is in the new television show, This Is Us. Again, warning, if you don't want to hear this, cover your ears. But that moment when Jack is with the fireman in front of the nursery in the hospital and suddenly the camera pans out and so many different pieces begin to fall into place when you realize that this scene is actually from the 1980s and that you've been seeing flashbacks all along. And when you realize that Kate, Kevin, and Randall are the big three, it is just one of the best moments I've seen in television. Or someone else mentioned this unexpected twist, if you like musicals and the musical Wicked, when we discover that the Wicked Witch of the West was never really wicked, and she didn't melt underwater either. That was, that was just a lie. It was a story she made up so that she could finally escape from everything that had been told about her in Oz. Several people commented that their favorite plot twist is when Darth Vader says, Luke, I am your father. Except here's the thing, um, I'm not even going to pretend to give a commentary on that because I've never seen Star Wars, <laughs> and I have no clue why that is significant. <laughs> but maybe you all can educate me about that later. <laughs> Um, lots of people mention the plot twist in the movie The Sixth Sense when we discover at the end that Bruce Willis's character has actually been dead the whole time. Or for those of us who love Disney's Frozen, it's that moment when we discover that Prince Hans from the Southern Isles is not a charming prince after all, which makes Frozen unlike literally every other Disney movie we've ever seen. And that's okay because Anna doesn't need a prince to save her, and the true love of a sister is just as powerful. And then Josh Caballero wrote that the biggest twist for him was in the movie Titanic because he just never saw that iceberg coming. And he is in extended session today, so I hope you will give him a hard time for that. But in all seriousness, when I asked for some of people's favorite plot twists or unexpected endings, I was really shocked at how engaged people began with that question. And 
they listed so many different possibilities. Um, here are some more. Arrival, Harry Potter, The Village, The Lottery by Shirley Jackson, The Final Four Words of the Gilmore Girls, A Beautiful Mind, No Country for Old Men, City of Angels, Lion, Downton Abbey, Deep Blue Sea, The Final Episode of M.A.S.H., Fight Club, Wonder Woman, and La La Land. And I'm sure you're thinking of so many others as well. And watch, watching that Facebook post grow and seeing these people from all different parts of my life engage with one another about this question reminded me that we, we all love an unexpected plot twist, don't we? I, I think we especially love it when the clues have been there all along and we just never saw it coming. It keeps us on our toes. It keeps us engaged in the adventure. I think it's why Netflix and Hulu are so popular and so addictive, because the cliffhangers keep us clicking next episode, even though we had intended to go to bed two episodes ago. But we can't stop now without finding out what happens next. And sometimes I wonder what would happen if we could read the Bible with such fresh eyes that we couldn't wait to see what happens next. I wonder what would happen if we allowed ourselves to get lost in the plot twists and completely unexpected adventures within this book. Or I wonder if, if we could read the Bible like Josh Caballero watches the Titanic and there would be these icebergs popping up along the horizon that would completely catch us by surprise. Today's text is one such story that, that if we are reading it with fresh eyes, it should knock us off of our feet and bring us into this unexpected adventure that we just never saw coming. Now, I need to pause for a moment and give a bit of a background before we move forward. If you haven't been here, for the past two weeks, we have been on a road trip with the Israelites on their roundabout journey through the wilderness. In that first week, we discovered that as soon as Pharaoh let them go from slavery, God sent the Israelites on a detour. It literally says they went the long way around. And, and we talked about the unexpected detours that we have encountered from the paths that, that we intended to travel in our own lives. What we discovered is that even on the detours, we follow a God who is always present with us. And that God isn't always our divine GPS, giving us these perfectly calculated instructions, but much like this pillar of fire and cloud that guides the Israelites, God gives us just enough for this day and leads us one day and sometimes even one step at a time. And then last week we discovered that the Israelites soon hit this completely significant roadblock in the wilderness. Suddenly, the Egyptian army is pursuing them from one side, and the Red Sea is blocking them from the other side, and they have no way to escape. Yet Moses says to them, do not be afraid, stand firm, and see what the Lord will do today. And so sometimes encountering roadblocks forces us to reimagine what God could do in a situation to look beyond what's right in front of us in order to see how God might work in ways that are just beyond all that we could ask or imagine. 
And then this week, we discover that when we journey with God, there will be some unexpected plot twists and adventures that we simply never saw coming. And we have already heard today's text, Exodus 14, 21 through 31, in worship this morning. And I would imagine that many of us have heard it before, or maybe we've even seen it reenacted in the movies. And sometimes I think we've heard it or seen it so much that we forget how completely extraordinary this really was. I mean, just when the Israelites thought that there was no hope, that there was no possible way forward. Just when they said that their only options were either slavery in Egypt or death in the wilderness, God miraculously makes a way and saves God's people. God drives back the sea with a strong east wind that lasts all night long, and the waters form a wall on their right and their left so that the Israelites are able to cross the sea on dry ground. I mean, we could be done today. That in and of itself is this miraculous thing. But, but I'd like to draw our attention back a few verses to Exodus 14, 15, right where we left off last week, where the Lord says to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward, but you lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. And and Spike mentioned this to me, right? In in the back last week, he said, I want to talk about that, that statement. And it surprises me. It stands out to me that the Lord would say, why do you cry out to me, Moses? And so anytime something in Scripture surprises us, I think it invites us to take a closer look. And when you think about it, crying out to God, God is never a bad thing, is it? So why would the Lord call Moses out on that? Why would he say, why do you cry out to me, Moses? And perhaps it's because the Lord has already told Moses and the Israelites what to do, to go forward, to trust him, to follow him by day and by night. It's as if God is saying to Moses and the people, I am already doing my part, but there are parts that only you can do here. And so why do you cry out to me? Because only you can go forward. Old Testament scholar Terence Fretham says, As has been the case throughout the Exodus narrative, God does not work alone. God works through the instrumentality of human powers to accomplish divine purposes. And suddenly, I began to read this text in a completely new way that I've never seen before. I'd always thought that this was a text of a miraculous story of God's divine intervention. And and don't hear me wrong, it, it absolutely is. But it wasn't until digging into the text this week that I realized that this is also a miraculous story of a people who were willing to say yes to God, a people who were brave enough to take the next step and to follow God on a completely unexpected adventure. Shonda Rhimes may be the queen of unexpected adventures. You may know Shonda is a television producer, screenwriter, and author whose shows are known for their captivating plot twists that keep viewers watching week after week. 
And a couple years ago, she did something a bit different from her normal television routine, and she decided to write a book called A Year of Yes, which quickly became a New York Times bestseller. You see, with, with three hit shows on primetime television and three children at home, Shonda said she had a lot of really good reasons to say no to pretty much everything else in her life. Except, she said, that often meant that she was hugging the walls at social events and saying no to anything that sounded scary or out of her comfort zone. Until one day, her sister sent her a six-word text message that changed her life. Shonda, you never say yes to anything. So for the next year, Shonda consistently pushed herself to say yes. And of course, the very day she decided to do this, she received an invitation to speak at the graduation at Dartmouth University, something she never would have done before. And then the book outlines all of the unexpected adventures that followed, all because of her willingness to say yes. She writes yes to everything scary, yes to everything that takes me out of my comfort zone, yes to everything that feels like it might be crazy, yes to everything that feels out of character, yes to everything that feels goofy, yes, yes, yes. And you know, I I can't help but wonder if the miracle at the Red Sea didn't have as much to do with, with waves and wind and parted waters as it did with a group of hundreds or even thousands of people in the wilderness who were all willing to say yes. Unlike Lot's wife in the book of Genesis, we don't hear anything about them turning back out of fear. All we read is that they went forward and walked through the water on dry ground. All we see is that they were willing to say yes. And all we know is that something completely miraculous followed that we never could have expected. If you think back on your own journeys, what are some ways in which your willingness to say yes has completely changed the path that you're walking on? Perhaps you said yes to to a new relationship or new opportunity or school or job or trip. Or were there opportunities to which you wish you had said yes? And and you've always wondered, what if? I wonder, just might, what have happened? When I was in college, one of my campus ministers was also the pastor of this small Methodist church out in the county. And we were passing each other in the hallway one day, and he said, oh, by the way, I'm going to be out of town in a few weeks, and I was wondering if you would be willing to preach for me. Well, my jaw dropped to the ground. I had never preached before, and as a woman, I had never had an opportunity to do that. I honestly didn't know what to think about it. And so I looked at him in disbelief, and I said, you want me to preach? Like, in the pulpit? On a Sunday? Are are you sure about that? And then his jaw dropped to the ground because he realized I'd never preached before. And looking back on that moment, I still remember praying and asking God if I could be disobeying God by doing this. Because I'd always been taught that preaching is not what God calls women to do. Um, But I felt this this strange sense of peace within me, a peace that, that I know could only come from the Spirit. And I took a risk, and I followed it. 
And I still remember driving out to this beautiful old white church in the county as the sun rose that morning. I still remember my heart beating out of my chest as I stood in the pulpit to preach. And I still remember it because it was a moment that completely changed the course of my life. Friends, to what is God inviting you to say yes? I wonder what unexpected adventures could be awaiting for us at Calvary if we would be a people who are willing to say yes to God in this place. In the coming weeks, as we prepare for the fall, there will be so many opportunities to say yes. Will you say yes to creating welcome spaces for college and graduate students who are moving to Waco or looking for a new church? Will you say yes to nurturing our infants and preschoolers, to teaching our children, or to walking alongside our youth? Children, will you say yes to use your gifts in this place and to learn to follow Jesus with us? Because you are an important part of Calvary and we need you. And youth, will you say yes to to living life with one another and to walking alongside us, to asking big questions and dreaming big dreams, because you are an important part of Calvary and we need you. Will you say yes to engaging in a deeper way in our neighborhood, maybe at, at West Avenue or the Villages or the Community Garden with Sanger Heights Neighborhood Association with our neighbors at Greater New Light or in some way we haven't even imagined yet? Will you say yes to giving financially to what God is doing in this place? Will you say yes to connecting with a Sunday school class or a small group or to leading and helping with a new kind of environment for people? Will you say yes to using your talents and gifts in worship? Will you say yes to reaching out to people who don't have a church home and inviting them to be part of Calvary with us? Will you say yes to opening up your own circles and welcoming new people into your lives? Will you say yes to whatever God is inviting you to do in this place? Now, I fully realize that that if we try to say yes to everything, in actuality, we say yes to nothing. None of us can do it all. But I also recognize that we can take that argument to the opposite extreme, and suddenly we look around and we're on the sidelines, and we haven't fully said yes to anything. And so I want to ask all of us to be discerning in the days ahead the areas in which God is inviting and even challenging us to give a wholehearted yes to what God is doing in this place. And along with that, I'd also like for you to save the date for this church-wide ministry conference that we are preparing for on Sunday, August 27th at 6 p.m. We have rented out the Dewey Park Recreational Center, which is just down Bosque across from the villages. And that's a great way to hear about our different ministries and missions and all the ways you can say yes to what God is doing at Calvary. Because if we expect God to do beautiful and inspiring things at Calvary and in our neighborhood and around our world, that means all of us are going to need to say yes to do our part. In one of his recent messages at Vatican City, Pope Francis said, we are experts in the half yes. We are good at pretending not to understand what God wants and what our consciousness suggests. However, by doing this, he says, we close the door to good and evil prophets from these missing yeses. 
noting that each one of us has a collection of these missing yeses inside of us. But, he says, each full and unreserved yes we say to God is the beginning of a new story. And each day there is a new opportunity to say yes, friends. Each day we have a chance to write a new story because the plot twist in our story is that God has already said yes to us. Jesus was God's yes to us when we were at a roadblock and it just didn't seem like there was any way out of our sin and our brokenness and our mess. There was Jesus, and Jesus made a way for all of us to part through the waters, for our sin to be buried behind us, and to raise us up to walk in this brand new, adventurous way of life. And so more than anything, I hope that you will say yes to Jesus each and every day and to the unexpected adventures that come with following him. And I hope that you and that I will, will keep fear and half-hearted yeses in the back seat and that we will offer a full and unreserved yes to what God is doing in this place at 18th and Bosky. I hope that you and I will say yes even when it's hard, even when we might see things differently, even when life together gets messy, even when the road is not clear. I hope that even in these moments, we would be willing to trust God enough to say yes anyway. Because I believe that miracles happen when we are willing to say yes to God. And I can't wait to see what unexpected adventures are waiting for us along the way. And so God, I pray that you would plant within each of us a willingness to say yes and an openness to the spirit and where you might be leading us. God, where there is fear, I pray that you would give us courage. Where there is just a lack of energy, I pray that you would give us strength and momentum. Um, where there is, is shyness or timidness, I pray that, that you would give us courage to, to step out into the unknown. I pray that all of us would be discerning as we are preparing for a, for a new year in some senses what you are calling us to say yes to in this place and, and in our lives and in our community and in our world. God, it, it's exciting to think about. Um, we don't want to be a people who are on the sidelines who look around and realize we haven't said yes to, to anything. God, more than anything, we want to say yes to you. So help us to know how to do that. And help us to know how to do that together in this place. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Well, maybe you're here today and you realize you've never said yes to following Jesus. Every day, every moment, there is a chance to do that. And if you would like to talk with a minister more about following Jesus, we would love to visit with you in the back of the sanctuary. Or like I've said the past two weeks, maybe you are ready to get in the car with us at Calvary as we are on this road trip together. Maybe you are ready to say yes to what God is doing in this place. If you would like to learn more about joining our community of faith, uh, we would love to visit with you as well. Or maybe there's an area of your life where you're, you're struggling to say yes. Maybe it's hard to see how God could possibly make a way forward right now. 
we would love to talk with you and to pray with you. And however God leads you to respond, we will be in the back ready to receive you as we continue in worship. Disturb us, Lord, when we are well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, 
We have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wilder seas, where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. Amen. I'm going to ask Doris Norris if you would join me up front. And while she makes her way, I just wanted to let you know that we're missing some children this morning because our children are at Passport Kids Camp in Brownwood, Texas. Uh, I went to see them Friday night, and they're having an incredible time. Will Ward is the camp pastor at Passport all summer long, and so they were really excited to reconnect with him. We are looking forward to having them back tomorrow afternoon, and then later this week, um, the kids will have music camp and fun with friends, and so there's more information about that in the worship folder, and we look forward to the children leading us in worship next week and sharing their musical with us on Sunday morning. Also, I just wanted to ask you to be on the lookout for a survey that you will receive by email later this week. We need and want your input as we are planning various classes and small groups for the coming year. And our staff are going on a retreat together August 10th through 12th. And so your feedback and ideas will really help to inspire that time and get our creative juices flowing as we plan some exciting opportunities for the fall. And so we will email that survey church-wide, and there will also be hard copies available next week. You may not know that this is Doris Norris's last Sunday with us for a while. Yeah, we, we don't know that. Um, Doris is, is moving to live with her grandson in Mansfield, and we are happy for a new opportunity, but really sad to lose you. You have been a spot and a source of, of light and joy to so many people of all ages. Um, you are so well-loved here. And so I'm going to ask you to go out with me after the benediction because I know people will want to greet you in the Welcome Center as well. But thank you for everything that you have done and all that you have brought to Calvary. This, this family truly, truly loves you. Well, please receive this benediction. May the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment, and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you. May Christ's mercy astound you. And may the Spirit abound in you so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with you always. Amen.